I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. How do you guys feel about fitness? You know how I feel about fitness. <laughs> Taylor, I know you You love making fitness. I love making fitness. I Bri, love making fitness. Bri, you love Jared, making fitness. You. Yeah, yeah. We like, we like fitness over here at uh, Sick yeah, Boy Podcast at Snack Lab Studios. Over we, here thought about in calling, Halifax, we thought about calling the podcast Fit Boy Podcast. Now, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one thing about fitness. <clears throat> as, a, as a... Well, here, let, let, me, let me put it this way. Taylor, um, I mean... I, I think it goes without saying anyone who's listened to this show for the eight years that we've been going, they know how I you are this. the, uh, you're the one who's physically the healthy guy on the show. I mean, mentally, I, I did have my CrossFit era mentally, you know, I wouldn't say you're sick. I, well, no, I, I would, I would say you're, you're not, you're not unwell, but you're sick. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, Bri, you've got ADHD. You, you've, you've talked about having ADHD for a while. How do you find, do you find that your ADHD um, uh, kind of impedes <laughs> you with your, with your phys- like with your ability to work out or anything like that? Um, I feel like it, it enables me to have hyper focuses where I take it really seriously, but also mm. like it's, it's sort of at the same time um, is counterproductive in that sense where like, I can also be distracted and just not end like do right. uh, end up doing other things other than going to the gym. Okay. So yeah, there's like it's it ebbs and flows for sure. All right, I live with cystic fibrosis. We all know this, and uh, that um, I guess it probably impedes my my making fitness to the g- degree where like my lung function isn't as peak as it could be. So I might have like a harder time getting to like being able to fully exert myself the way I would if I had like normal lung function. Now, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? How do you think your fitness would be affected if you had ankylosing spondylitis? I feel like I'm, I'm, vaguely, I'm vaguely familiar with this condition, and I feel like it would be pretty drastically impacted. <laughs> I don't even know. Good answer. Ankyl- <laughs> save, your, save your tookish there. Thing is, the thing is, admitting that you don't know shit. The thing is, I don't know what ankylosing there spondylitis is. There we go. That's good. That's and what, good. Like, I, when you said that, I thought immediately, um, how would my fitness be impacted if I was a dinosaur with a tail that had like a mace shaped hey, into it? There you go. Huh. Yeah. Not quite where we're going, but good guess. If I was an ankylosaurus. Yes, that's right. Well, John Fraser, our guest today, owner of Fraser Fitness Consulting, is someone who I'm guessing, or at least I would fucking hope, loves making fitness because... He's a fitness consulting coach. He looks fit. Um, but also, John has ankylosing spondylitis, and I'm going to just start right off the bat. John, you tell us, ankylosing spondylitis, how does that affect your ability to make fitness? <laughs> I like uh, your term, make fitness. Um, <laughs> I don't usually hear it the, that way, but uh, we'll go with it. Um, you know, a- ankylosing spondylitis is, is in the arthritis family. It's... Uh, it's an arthritic con- arthritic condition, autoimmune disease that uh, basically your body's attacking my spine and my hips. And uh, the ultimate thing that happens is that the spine um, fuses together and it can affect you in a lot of ways. Um, it, you know, it can also affect some, you know, everybody's a little bit different. It can affect other joints. Uh, it affects your intestines and, and it does have stress on your organs, <laughs> Uh, affects your tendons, ligaments, muscles, nerves. Um, so there's almost nothing that it doesn't affect. Um, 
and to make fitness with it, um, it uh, can be very difficult um, at times, but also very vital in the fact that exercise Ooh. is very important um, to keep limber, especially stretching and, and, and trying just to keep the blood flowing and going. So exercise is vital for someone with the condition that I have. Okay, so I, that's I, I, I'm glad that you kind of uh, laid out that last bit there, but the like the importance of physical activity when it comes to something like um, you know the specific type of arthritis that, that we're talking about today. Um, and the same goes for CF, right? Like cystic fibrosis, although it is a lung disease and and you know a lot of people like conflate CF with with what asthma looks like. So you know someone who's working out has asthma, maybe they'll have an asthma attack or a flare up and it's harder for them to breathe and, and, and activity can actually like spur that with CF. It's the complete opposite. Uh, it's it, hard, rigorous physical activity is actually super important to help manage airway clearance. Um, so in terms of, in terms of like the actual mechanism of physical activity and how it is benefiting someone with ankylosing spondylitis I guess you, you kind of mentioned it, but is it is it directly tied to this this sort of idea of like encouraging blood flow through the body to, and and that that being the the sort of the sort of key use for physical activity to like I guess help manage something like in. in yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, to keep the, the the blood flow going, you know, keeps the muscles loose, keep the tendon and ligaments loose. And, um, you know, I stiffen right back up, you know, after exercise. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's good to do it. It, it. it will help you tremendously. And I think the reason why I've done well, because I was diagnosed when I was 27, I'm uh, almost 54 now. So over all the years, uh, people... I know people that have AS that are a lot worse can, uh, shape than I'm in, you know, so so I'm I'm proof that by exercising through the entire diagnosis over the past 25 years, that it has helped me be in a better position. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't have pain and I don't have flare ups and I don't have stiffness. And the big important thing is, is to make sure, you know, there's different times, like sometimes I'll go to the gym and I just get on the bike and pedal lightly for 20 minutes, you know, <laughs> that's it, you know, mm -hmm. and then there's days where I can get in there and get a little more after it and do some weight training. Um, but it, it really depends on where you're at and everyone's at a different level. Uh, but I found it, it's kept me um, in shape enough to where most people, I, and that's why I talk about silent suffering because I didn't tell I told people that I had this this terrible disease and everyone looked at me like I was crazy because I didn't look like it. And so mm. the, the, over the years, the, the, the suffering was silent because I stopped talking about it because everyone was like, you don't have anything. You look fine, you know, but they don't see me when I can't get out of bed or they can't don't see me try to get out of a chair. Like after we're done here and I try to get out of this chair, it's a little obvious that something's going on. But it, once I get mm. going, I feel like I was, you know, if you ever see the, 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 the movie, the Star Wars movies, but the three ones that became before uh, one, two, and three, where Yoda is like crippled and he's walking along, and then all of a sudden he gets a lightsaber mm -hmm. and he's like jumping around and doing that. Kind of, that's <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he goes back to humped over and walking with his cane. That's why I feel sometimes because once you get active and moving and stuff, you can you, you look wow. pretty good, and it's like the stiffness goes away. You're like, oh, okay, I can move. And then when you sit back down, and it all kind of tightens back up and. Uh, man, that's that's gotta that's gotta suck for insurance claims you know like because like they like you know they send out those detectives who are like yeah. like sitting outside of the gym with binoculars looking they're like seeing you you like deadlift 500 pounds and then do box jumps and then all of a sudden um cut you, someone you, up with a lightsaber <laughs> and, then, and then you leave and then yeah. you're hunched over walking they're like faking you know i have it on i have it on <clears throat> i have it on good authority that that only happens if uh, you're in a lawsuit yeah Exactly. No, <laughs> I'm not going to be doing any 500 pound deadlifts. Uh, uh, that's one of the worst things I can do for this. But uh, but I get your point. I mean, no, it's it's moderate exercise, you know, at this point um, with people with any kind of condition okay. like I have. I mean, there's multiple other conditions that are similar and it's about moderate exercise, but you can't you can't go too crazy. Um, I can't lift what I did when I was in my 20s. I, I just don't even try. It's not even worth 
because uh, if you if you slip up and you hurt yourself, uh, you know it really affects my business of personal training and helping other people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have to. I feel but like you haven't uh, you haven't really like tried to tap into that like dad strength because like I see those guys at the gym who are like you know mid forties to mid fifties and it's like man it's like you watch them. I mean I've been going to the gym for like I don't know fifteen years now and and I've seen those guys grow up and you see them and they're like they're like early thirties and then all of a sudden they hit that like mid mid like forties around now and they're just like their their weight that they can lift just doubles. Like those calves, like those calves that the are calves, just like yeah. chiseled Greek totally. statue calves sitting atop a cow s- sitting, sitting, sitting like below it's... and structurally lifting a totally <laughs> average upper half. <laughs> yeah. I, I have those calves. I have those. I have those calves. That's my best. Everyone tell that's your best feature, my calves. Uh, well, you know, the funny thing about that we were talking about is once you hit in your 40s, if you've been working out and building muscle, it doesn't just go away naturally. So you do kind of maintain a certain amount of mass as you get older. Um, I don't I don't have to work out as hard as to get it as I do to maintain it. So when I was in my 20s, you know, I'm pumping the weight, pumping weight, trying to put on, you know, seven pounds of muscle. And, and it was just crazy amount of work. And now I can maintain it and, and not I can go mm-hmm. weeks without working out. I don't, but I could and still maintain a, a semblance of shape. If I let it go for a year, a, it'll go away. But <laughs> it's a, it's actually, it's actually incredible. Like I actually just happened to be doing some writing for a project that we're working on before I came over here, and uh, and it has to do with muscle. It has to it entirely has to do with with muscle mass and muscle health and the importance of that in terms of longevity as we as we as we get older, as we just like naturally decline with age. Um, how important having a base structure of both fitness, like in terms of your cardiovascular fitness, but 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 just as importantly as your as muscle mass, and and then if you and consider this, um, every year in the in the U.S., forty five thousand people die from accidental falls. Whoa! And eight hundred thousand people will be hospitalized due to an accidental fall, huh. and thousands of those people will die within twelve months because of the decline that they are pushed into as a result of the fall, whether it's like a surgery or something along those lines. Like it's a, it is a insane number. Now, how do you know those stats? I know those stats. Well, that's CDC data. Got it. Um, and, um, uh, but, but, but my point being is that, is that I think John, it is extremely common for people living with like any number of conditions mm-hmm. out there to, not, not, I, I, and I, I want this to come across the right way because it's not an excuse. It's like they feel like they can't do the thing anymore. Like they can't exercise mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes, if I had to guess, I would say that a lot of that can sometimes come from the idea that they can't do it like they used to, so they don't do it at all. I think, I think it's actually, I, I mean, I think you're right that that, that might be a, a part of it for some people, but I think it's, I think it's much broader the reasoning behind it when someone, when, and when specifically talking about someone d- living with a, a disability or, or any kind of like disease or illness, because I've, I've been there, I've had that same, that mindset of like, well, I guess I can't do it. And <clears throat> which is fucking bullshit because I grew up as, I grew up as an athlete and I, and, and, and I've done things that physically that are, that are, that require you to have like a, a, a strong ability to perform. Mm. And so I know that that's false, but there were a number of times where I've like an example to kind of add to your, your, your example there would be, I start the process of trying to get back into making fitness. And two weeks in, I end up with a, with a, um, with severe pneumonia and I get hospitalized for two weeks. Well, after that, period of time of being in the hospital and, and kind of like, you know, the, the hardest part about getting into working out is to, is to build that habit up. And so you're two weeks into building the habit and it, it's still uncomfortable, but you're like, you're feeling like you're making some headway. And then all of a sudden the carpet's pulled out from underneath you and you're fucking laid out flat for two weeks in a hospital bed. And, and then when you come out of the other end, you are far weaker than you have been in years because you've fucking been just laying in a hospital bed for two, two weeks 
that it was it's so disheartening that it almost you use the you, you, I mean I did I used the excuse of like well I guess my illness just fucking gets in the way so it's not for me which is which is which is an excuse well I mean because just know? to what John said there uh, what John said there is like you it is protecting you it is it mm. is staving off the severity of of decline for you because it has protective mechanisms that allow you to enjoy enjoy a a, a, um, a a less steep curve that your ankylosing spondylitis is bringing on in terms of like your physical your physical outcome. Yeah, I'm glad you brought brought that up because in the last several years, you know, and and this is a progressive disease. You know, it, it starts out, you know, and then it really did hit hit a, a different level a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that I had to start taking Hemera and uh, methotrexate to help with the disease, you know, and I waited as long as I possibly could to put off medication. Not that there's anything wrong with medication. It's just that, you know, once you get down that rabbit hole, then, you know, it's sometimes that's not effective. Then you got to go to the next and the next. And so I really wanted to use exercise and stretching and even meditation and all these things to uh, be as holistic as I could through most of my life. And, and I still do those things, but it just got to the point where I had to add that. But to, to your earlier point, uh, you know, I, I, since about three, four years now, it feels like I start, I get Monday workout Tuesday, can't get out of bed. Don't work out. You know, then like by the next, you know, then it's rough here or there a couple of days I do don't. And it's like, I'm starting over constantly, you know, and then I have a flare up period when flare ups can last anywhere between two weeks to three months, six months. Sometimes. I mean, I just came out of a flare up that lasted about two and a half months. And when that happens, the exhaustion and the fatigue is so severe that you can't, there's just days where you just go, there's no possible way I can work out today. I can't even lift my head up, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sleeping mm-hmm. 10, 12 hours, you know, <laughs> and not always at the same time, you know, I have to come home, take naps. I mean, it's just very, very uh, fatiguing, uh, uh, this this condition, AS and, and other conditions like it, you know, um, so it, it is is it is the hard thing. That's why when I wrote the book and the titles through the pain is because there is a certain amount of pain that you're just going to have to accept that it's going to happen when you work out. Now, there's there's a line and you have to find that line within yourself. But like you said, a lot of people think, well, all that hurt. Well, I can't do that anymore. I, you know, and for me, it's been as a trainer, I've you know, I, I definitely do. And it is what you said. It's it's hard because I remember what I used to be able to do. I used to be able to lift mm-hmm. a lot of weight. I used to be, I mean, I was really fit. I mean, <laughs> I look back and go, man, I mean, I could run, I ran, you know, six, seven miles, three, four times a week. I was lifting, squatting 400 pounds. You know, I mean, I was in really good shape. And so it's very difficult knowing that I can't do that. But what I teach other people and what I try to continue to tell myself is that this is where you are now. This is what you have. This is the reality of the situation. And all you can do is make the best of that situation. So if today I only do, you know, some push-ups, a few sit-ups and some stretches, well, I did something that that will help me down the road, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's uh it is disheartening. And I know a lot of people get tired and just say, you know what, screw it. I can't do it anymore because I start, I stop, and I start, I stop, and that's where I'm at now, as I have a lot of start and stops. But I feel like if you never, if you don't just give up and I might go a week and I can't do anything, but then I just get back on it. You know, you just got to keep getting back on that horse. Right. Mm-hmm. When did, um, when did, when did stretching come into like the importance of stretching become apparent to you? Is that something that as a trainer has been with you all the time? Is it something that came into the picture later on? Did it come after your diagnosis? We're all, we're all yoga teachers. So we're, we're, or we've all done yoga training and have taught yoga um, um, for years. And so the importance of stretching and all of its benefits is not lost on us. Um, so I'm curious um, where that came in. Well, it's you. funny. Cause you know, I've always like you, I've always felt the the need and importance of it. And I guess, you know, I, f- I felt it more after, you know, as I got stiffer, as I got older, 
how vital it was. But I was a I was a dancer too. I I did uh, I'd competed in ballroom and stuff. So I was in dance classes. So you know you stretch. You know, <laughs> you, stretch. Yeah, you know yeah. I took uh, uh, you know all kinds of dancing classes. So you stretch and. And and so I was always brought up with stretching, you know, I played I was an athlete in high school, I played football, you know, you stretched, you know, you know, cherry picking. But, you know, so you constantly I was always aware of the importance of it. It just really rang true, you know, my 30s, you know, how the stiffer I got, the more important it was. And and uh, there's times, though, you know, I'm so stiff that. I'm afraid if I move a certain way that I might actually mess something up. So there's a time where sometimes I have to be careful when I stretch because I could actually do something. But for the most part, um, I, it's just vital. And with my clients that I have a lot of el- older clients, I, I mean, I'm constantly just nailing it, going it's stretch, stretch, stretch is the most important thing for you. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, working out it helps with balance helps, you know, with muscle, you know, deterioration, and it also helps with bone density. And you said those stats earlier about people, you know, they, they fall. I, I've had it. I've, I've seen it. I've had clients that were going along. Well, they fell they broke a hip and they, they were no longer with us six months later, you know? So, yeah. and if you build, and I had a 90 year old client once, uh, Jim to it, uh, he used to go do it to it, you know, and he'd get in the gym. He was 80, 89 years old, uh, World War II vet. And and uh, his doctor recommended strength training for, you know, uh, bone density because his bone density was bad. So uh, so at almost 90 years old, we worked out six months later, they tested his bone density and his bone density went up. So even at that age, you can increase your bone density by doing strength training. And then, you know, his balance got better because we did stuff to work on that. His muscle mass cr- increased. So his likelihood of falling was less, you know, so mm-hmm. um, so it's it can happen even at any age. And, and he started at 89. He wasn't working out prior, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Leading cause of death if you're over 65. Yeah, it's wild. I remember. Is, um, uh, I mean, it, cro- also just to that point, that does actually. Ma- a, a while back, we read this stat, and I've, I've never followed it up to, to actually do any research <laughs> to figure it out if it was true. But the stat was that the most dangerous sport in the world, statistically, <laughs> based on injuries and death, is not football, not hockey, not not you know, not. Pro wrestling, John. Guess, yeah. Take it. Take just take one stab at it. What do you What do you think is the the most dangerous sport in the world statistically? Getting out of your chair. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. Basically, it's a uh, lawn bowling, <laughs> Cause, cause which makes a lot of sense. Because who does that sport? Right? <laughs> yeah, right. You, know what, that, you right. know what the number one rising sport in injury and in, uh, elderly is pickleball. I was going to say yeah, yeah, pickleball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pickleball is taking over for injuries. Hot, Hot topic, oh, yeah. hot topic. It's it's the noise pollution and 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 God knows what else is going to come <laughs> with that when I, when, sport. When I was doing um, CrossFit, there was a, there was a campaign going on in the CrossFit community that that uh, where they were trying to train the uh, coaches to focus more on like just movements for the elderly, like how to get up if you fall down and mm. and uh, doing things like that. Um, but uh, but I wanted to to change shift gears a little bit, John, and ask you more specifically about your ankylosing spondylitis and and when you first started to experience symptoms because you mentioned that like when you were younger you were you know doing all of this these exercising running six or seven miles three four times a week and doing all the strength training when did you start to like actually experience symptoms or get diagnosed no i'm glad you brought that up because i i I talk about the book because i kind of chart my journey as you know when i remember and and i I had problems as early as in high school. You know, I had a, a, a I had back problems, and at the time, you know, the doctors they go, "Oh, I grow on pains," you know, and they gave me some muscle relaxants and uh, and a back brace, and that was that. And so when I played football, I I wore a back brace, and sometimes I wore a back brace uh, to school if it was you know bad, and because my left um, 
I don't know how technical you guys want me to get, but the rectus spinae muscle. Get tactical. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, let's let's the, go. The, the rectus spinae muscle, which lines uh, the lower half of your uh, down in your spine, your SI joint. And that was built up and it was it was inflamed. It was bigger on that side. I always felt like my left side was, you know, it's like it's, the muscle was too big or something. And that's what was there. But I, I since I was, t- I know this is going to sound weird. They told me it was, you know, without growing pains, you know, I go out, out there, you know, rub some dirt on it. That, you know, that's that, that attitude. And uh, so I, I don't know. They, I thought it was, you know, everybody went through this. I thought this is something that was, mm. I was like, well, everyone hurts like this. So that's, so I didn't even think. And so I, I just, I just went through the pain. I mean, I just kind of just was like, well, this is, this is life. I don't know any better. Yeah. It wasn't until later and on that I asked my friend one time, I go, when you get up, does your spine hurt a lot? And he goes, no. I was like, what? <laughs> it was a shock to me. I was like, in my 20s, what? I mean, you don't like hurt like you're going to vomit when you get out of bed? No? Okay. So, um, so I started, you know, I mean, even then. And so I just didn't know what the heck it was. And in my 20s, you know, I was building, as we were talking earlier, I was I was really lifting heavy. I was really trying to put on some mass, put on about 15 pounds of muscle. And I did it naturally. So I could have done it easier if I cheated, but um, I did it naturally over a year, but I was lifting a lot of heavy weight. And all of a sudden I started noticing my SI joint or the sacroiliac joint was popping out of place. And I was going to have to go to the physical Mm -hmm. therapist to get it put back in every week. And he would manipulate and was able to get it back in. And I was like, man, I don't know what the heck's going on. I'm not doing anything wrong. And it just kept happening. And then he was poking around, you know, on my uh, stomach a little bit and and felt uh, my lymph nodes. And, and I was like, man, that's really sore. It really hurts. And uh, he said, I don't know what it is, but something your, your body's filtering something. You have an infection because your lymph nodes in your lower quadrant is, is swollen. And I was like, yeah, I was really sore. So that was the beginning of it. And then, um, I started and it was I was getting close to about 27 years old. So I had been having issues through my 20s off and on. And uh, then it got to the point where I started losing lots of weight. And I was I was I was thinking it was a dietary thing, like maybe I was allergic to milk. So I was cutting things out. And by the end, I was eating like tuna out of the can and like a thing of broccoli. And still I couldn't keep anything in. And uh, they so they ran all the tests and did all these things. And. Uh, couldn't find anything. They were looking at my intestines and stuff. They they didn't know what the cause of it was. And uh, one doctor suggested that, you know, it was probably in my head. And and so it started really messing with me because I knew something was wrong. And I, I was I was starting to atrophy my muscles because I couldn't hold anything in. I couldn't really work out. I was getting fatigued. I was really, really tired all the time. And a really smart friend of mine is a doctor. She said, hey, walk down the, you know, walk down the hallway and uh, I did. And he, he he's like, you know, I'm going to send you to this guy. And then they uh, it was a very smart uh, doctor that uh, ran some tests. And, he, and there's a, a gene that you test positive for. Now, not everyone that has AS tests positive for this gene, but the gene is a very specific uh, HLA-B27 is the gene that they test for. And I tested positive for that. And, and then with the x-rays and then the diagnosis happens. And uh, so I was 27. But it happens. It was, and it was weird because I didn't quite understand it. You know, I was like, I was relieved. I'm like, well, it's not in my head. Yay. Uh, I really have something. Uh, so, and then after that, I, I, there was no tools back then of, of what to do. There was very little information about it. It's very unknown. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, in terms of like, go ahead. The, like the, the feeling of like that, that getting that diagnosis. And, and like you said, like you didn't really know what that meant at the time. What, but was there like some sort of, like, how did you manage the feeling of like relief in a sense, knowing like that, like all of this stuff that had happened through your past, like could be explained in a way, but also then the fact that, you know, now, you know, that you're going to be dealing with this going forward into the future. Like, what was that sort of feeling like at that time? Well, that was, that's what's funny. I was like, okay. I was like, I got, okay. I've been diagnosed with a disease. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's like in your head. So I, the way I, I, you know, like I said, I probably do it differently now, but what I did is I just, I I went and I meet with my friends for dinner and I said, well, I have something very important to tell you. I have this, I've been diagnosed with this disease called ankylosing spondylitis. And then they'd be like, Oh, what, what does that mean? I go, I don't know. (laughs) 
Not <laughs> 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 sure. It's bad. I don't know, but it sounds serious. It's really serious. You know, and 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 so I was telling people like I was dying, like I was had a death sentence or something. <laughs> but because I didn't really know what it, it was, but I knew it wasn't good. But the relief was the fact that I wasn't crazy because it, the diagnosis took almost a year. I mean, it was a long process of doctor after doctor. And, you know, and just the fact that I knew that I wasn't crazy and it wasn't all in my head was the relief. But then the, the not having much information after that was kind of daunting. But at the time, you know, my symptoms were relatively mild and I didn't know what it was going to lead to, you know, but so it's kind of a discovery over the years. You're like, oh, okay, I'm 33. And now that that didn't used to happen. <laughs> And then 40 hits, you go, oh, oh, 40 is different. You know, um, it's kind of like, but it happens in life. Everyone experiences that as you get older. I mean, you guys all experience this, you know, aches and pains that we didn't have when we were younger. But this is accelerated because of the condition as well. So it's a little bit more, you know, severe. But I, I didn't, I, you know, like I said, I didn't understand it at the time. There wasn't a lot of information and that's how I handled it. And then I told people and then, then it was like, then what? And then I was like, well, I don't know. So I stopped talking about it to the point where I didn't ever bring it up. I mean, for a long, long time. And uh, recently, because I wrote the book and and uh, had an old client that, that was a client of mine 25 years ago, reached out and she said, I had no idea that you went through all that, you know. Uh, mm. And so I, I had family members that forgot that I had this. I had friends that had forgotten. Um, and they've only been reminded now because, like I said, it's 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 become I think that's why I'm talking about it more. It's why I'm, I wrote mm. the book. I mean, it was the pandemic. So there was a lot of time mm. and, and I wanted to I was like, you know, I think I really want to write something that a lot of people probably experience. They mm. suffer silently, like, you know, looking at you, you don't look like you have anything wrong, you know, and I know that there's millions of people out there like that. And you just kind of feel weird about talking about it because people are like, well, you're not in a wheelchair, so you're you're fine, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you when you say that your client like reached out to you and and said, hey, I didn't know that you were going through that. Is it because at the time the symptoms weren't so bad or was it that you were really good at masking? Them? Both. I mean, they, they weren't as bad and uh, they were in the flare ups. and I was just really good at hiding them. I wouldn't, you know, I, I'd, I'd be in a lot of pain training some clients and not say a word. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm that I can be very stoic when it comes to that. I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but I do know that what I didn't want to become is that person that no one wants to be around because all he does is talk about how much pain he's in all the time. <laughs> and I might have yeah. I might have overcompensated. Uh, to to not talk about it because I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, John's here. He's going to talk about mm-hmm. his back pain again. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. It's like, like Brian me, and me talking about therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Peter it, to you. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. all have our we, yeah. we all and, we all have our thing. Yeah, and me with porn. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Jeremy's sure, always yeah. just talking about porn. You can't not talk about porn. You know? Specifically <laughs> VR porn. Yeah. I uh, I was going to say though, like the to the to the point of people not really noticing. It's like. It's especially with something like ankylosing spondylitis, like, like, you know, things like arthritis. I mean, uh, you're, even if you are showing it physically, you know, getting up and, and going, Oh fuck, like that kind of thing. Or, or like walking with like a limp or something. The, I don't, I don't think the first, the first like assumption that people make is, Oh, they must have arthritis. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that they go, they go, Maybe you have an injury. Yeah, there's an injury just, there, or like he, yeah, he, you know, John, John's a he, John's a fitness guy, so maybe he just like he's 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 got some like muscle fatigue or just deadlifted five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, he's been deadlifting, weight mogging everybody at the gym. Um, you know, it's like th- that's not real. Like your brain doesn't go to like, oh, he must be, he must have a disability. You know, it's like it's because again, it's it not only is it is it common to see someone whatever, like maybe have a minor limp or, or, you know, groan getting out of a chair. Um, it's, it's not one of those diseases that's super visible. You know, there's, there's a difference between having something like arthritis and having cerebral palsy, you know, where there's like very obvious, like signs that you can kind of tell, Oh, there's, I think there's like something else going on here. All 
Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. Has there been, since you were diagnosed at 27, has there been like moments where you were like, this just got different. This just, this just shifted into a different gear. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the last probably five years, I'd say that there, there was some noticeable changes. It started in the gym and I don't talk about this a whole lot because it was kind of, I don't, and because like I said, some of it, I don't even understand. And the doctors can't even tell me, you know, whatever, but I'd, I'd work out and then I'd just start to shake, you know, and I have this, like this, this kind of this palsy shake. I don't even see that, but it'd be mm-hmm. like my hand and I couldn't stop it, you know, cause I'd overexerted and, and that started happening in the gym. It was like a small tick. And after I'd finished, you know, and it was really, if I really went, went for it, you know, I'd start to kind of quiver and, and not, not, not just muscle quiver, but like an actual tick of some sort. So that was kind of the first kind of like, Oh, this is not good. Um, and then, like I said, just the progression, you can feel like the stiffness and the, the fusing is, is starting to happen. Now my chiropractor, my right SI joint is now fused. So, um, I can't, there's certain things I can't do. Or move. So the mobility issue, you know, has gotten worse. And the, there was, there was a moment that uh, a couple months ago that happened while I was at a client's house that, you know, a moment you were just talking about, and it was a very significant moment. I had heard other people that have AS this happens to never happened to me before, but I'm finished my clients. I'm walking out the, through their house, go out to, to my car and I, I, I couldn't walk. I just, I, mm. I mean, I, I knew if I tried to, well, I couldn't, my right leg just stopped working. It just, I mean, mm. I just stopped <laughs> and it, and it was weird because I, I didn't understand it. I kept going, well, let's go. And it's like I, my brain, I'm like going go and my body wouldn't go for a minute. It was about, about 20 seconds, maybe. I mean, it feels like a lot longer because you're sitting there going, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, I handled it. It was long enough to where my client turned around and went, what's wrong? I go, I can't walk. And then all of a sudden it kicked back in and and I could, you know, I could lift my leg. I had to drag it a little bit, but it just there's something, the connection and the right hip, it just it just didn't the signal didn't come or something got cut off. So those are significant moments of seeing the progression of, of the disease. Um, and like I said, I mean, I feel in somewhat knowing how what other people, you know, have gone through. Um I feel fortunate that I'm in the shape that I'm in, you know, I always try to, mm. you know, have gratitude because it could always be worse, you know, yeah. um, no matter how much pain or, or things I'm like, well, I can still walk. <laughs> it might not be pretty, but I can still do it, you know? So I, I'm, I try to be grateful for, you know, Mm-hmm. because it can be a lot. I mean, like I said, I know people that end up in wheelchairs with AS. Um, there is a point, there is a, a, a small chance and I have experienced some issues, but you can go blind um, because of the pressure on the optical oh, nerve back here because the arthritis hits all the way up into the spine and it can attack okay. the optic nerve that, uh, but it's rare. It's a one or 2% chance, but I have had blurred vision, uh, you know, fuzzy where I can't get really clear uh, kind of things happen during flare-ups and stuff. So I have experienced that. And those are the symptoms you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, well, that's a very, that's a very, uh, that's a very silver linings perspective um, that you bring to it, which I think is, which I think is, is, a, is mm-hmm. ultimately a, a, a good thing. Um, I can, I, my, my, the closest way that I can relate to this, that I can relate to that is actually in the exact opposite and uh, of, de- of decline in terms of like an injury. Like I, I got hit by a car, I was broken pelvis, blah, 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 blah. And it's the, it's the, it's the inverse. It's being, it's being, it's being instantly dragged down and then, and then progressively getting better, you know, versus, you know, having a condition like ankylosing spondylitis or with you, Jared, I know you obviously experienced decline over many years mm-hmm. and, and sort of like, 
and sort of the idea of waiting for that to like hit that next, that next progression, that next like, okay, I have, you know, I'm on the couch and now I can use a walker and now I can use crutches and now I don't need my crutches and now I can ride my bike again and now I'm normal and, you know, and, and, and now I'm better than normal and sort of, and, and, and now I'm superior um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and sort of the things that kind of the, the mental states that come along with either a, a reaching a, a progression or maybe when a progression gets delayed and the, the, and the, the sort of like, Oh, like, have I stagnated? Like, am I, is this where this ends? Like, is this, is, is this, you know, why, why be struggling with this forever? Um, so like, you know, do, do you, do you allow, although you take that silver linings perspective to it, like mentally, do you, do you kind of like allow yourself to, to, to have that moment of like, fuck that sucks. It's funny you say that because um, because I actually address that in the book too. I'm like, you know, I don't know why it is, but I never, I never, I never really felt sorry for myself. I never, I, I never, I just like, okay, well, this is this is what it is, you know. I never kind of went, why me, why God, you know. I mean, uh, I mean, and and a lot of times I do try to take it in stride. I mean, I, you know, it's like, well got to keep on, you know, keeping on, you know, got to keep living, got to keep going. I mean, no one's, no one's there, you know, no one's sitting there saying, well, I'll take care of you. You don't need to work. I mean, I got to, you know, I, there's times where I'm so exhausted and I have to just drag myself out of bed to go train a client. And then I come back and lay back down until the next client and get back up, you know, like, you know, but on a rare, rare, rare occasion and and it has to be when i'm in a well when i'm in such pain that i can't get relief i can't find a comfortable position i i can't there's nothing i can do that relieves it there is a time where i'm like this sucks Mm. but but on the honestly that's i i hardly almost ever do that and i don't know why and because i just kind of said well this is this is what it is and let's let's move forward you know um so I, I rarely have those moments. I have to tell you. I mean, that's good. Cause it can go, I, I think, I think it, it often goes one of two ways and, and probably a lot more often the other way, um, where you're often plagued with people, people become plagued with that, mm-hmm. uh, with the opposite, with the, with the sense of, Oh my God, this is, this is horrible. And you know, you get kind of like trapped in a bit of a death spiral mentally on, mm-hmm. on how, how, how much it's, I have been around people like that. And, and, and it's, it's, I don't think they realize that what they're doing. I mean, I see that and I don't want to become that or be that way. So I, maybe I, I go hard the other way. So I'm not that, uh, but I won't, I will say though, that it doesn't mean that I haven't suffered from depression and depression is actually one of the symptoms of AS, which kind of makes sense. I mean, I think that depression would be the symptom of any condition that throws you uh, for a loop. I mean, and, and I think for me, at least the, a lot of times the depression relates not to the pain, but to the fatigue because Mm. pain you know, I've had a lot of injuries on top of, you know, having AS. I've played sports. I've, I've been in a motorcycle accident and crushed my leg. I mean, you know, you name it. I've had, and I, I, I list everything in my book. I talk about every thing along the way um, since it's called Through the Pain. I wanted to talk about all the different things. And uh, I made it through all of these, you know, things over the years. But the fatigue, it, it, the pain, I so I, I, the pain sucks, but I can take it somewhat but the fatigue is when you just can't do anything and you're just like hopeless and you can't half your days ruined because you can't lift your head up and so that to me tends to be where the depression is lies with the the lack and be able to do something you know i mean it's one thing that i can't lift weights like i used to or be the shape that i am but as long as i can be in somewhat of a shape i'm okay you know Mm, yeah mm. man fatigue is brutal <clears throat> yeah i've had like i've had this these like mysterious bouts of fatigue over the past like six months yeah where i'm like not sick like i'm not i'm not um i'm not obviously sick uh with like throwing up or uh fever or anything like that pooping yourself but I, yeah like uh, but i just feel so tired and every time it happens i'm like i would way rather just be violently ill mm. i would just way rather just be shit in my pants because 
It no, sucks. No, 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 nope. Okay. You wouldn't. <laughs> shit, you wouldn't. My, shit in my pants meaning, but on the toilet. Yeah, okay, right. Shit in my pants on the toilet. Yeah. Um, because it's just being tired, like, being, feeling like you just can't do anything. Yeah. And you don't, and like, I mean, it's like when I feel it, I don't know why I feel that way as well. So it's like, it's just fucking brutal. But it is really, it, it does make me feel sad. Because when the, you shit your pants, you can't do anything either. Like, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> like, you gotta go home. You gotta fucking take care of business. It's, it, it is, it's the worst. But I think you gotta do when, a load of laundry. When yeah. you're throwing up or, or shitting your pants on the toilet, and you know that you're physically sick. It doesn't feel good, but you're not. You're not like woe is me. You're just like I'm fucking sick. That's right. And this sucks. And you've yeah. got an answer. But when you're fatigued and you don't know, or if you don't know why, or if it's just like it never ending, then it can be a mind fuck. It yeah. can yeah. kind of yeah, change like, the way totally. you feel about the world. Very, very yeah. much Almost. so. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, John, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like you, you had mentioned that you were taking um, medications, and they're biologics, right? The med- medications yes. that you you had mentioned. Um, Adrenochrome. Uh, uh, That's an hey, LA thing, right? John, John's an LA guy. Who knows? Um, Are you? Uh, do you have a blood boy? <laughs> a blood boy. So some of the rich guys in LA are doing this, where they get uh, you know a young guy take his blood, do blood transfusions, you know, try to stay oh, young. Oh, it's oh a, yeah. I, I, I call him. I just call him a sack, a sack of blood. I didn't call him a blood. It's just semantics. I was going to ask, um, uh, can you, can you describe to us like what, what, uh, what those drugs are? I know we've probably talked about biologics on the show in the past, but, um, they're, they're like, they're, they're serious drugs, you know, like, I, I, I mean, I know some people that are, that take, um, I mean, isn't methotrexate and, and did I, I might've butchered that, but, um, uh, is that what you said? You take methotrexate? Well, well first thing was Hemera. Hemera is, is, is Hemera. designed for AS and, and other different other conditions similar to that. Uh, they're injectables. They're biological, like you said, and, uh, they're, they're, you know, like a EpiPen, you know, you just stab it in your leg and you press the button and, you know, but like you said, it is a whole, it's a, the whole thing because you got to get the medication from the specialty pharmacy it's refrigerated so it has to you know it can't be left out mm. uh, they're little they look like you know if you know what an epi pen looks like it's a little you know pen that you can inject yourself with and i take you know a shot every two weeks um and you know it, it's yeah it's a serious thing they give you a little you know like hazardous waste <laughs> thing that i have in the yeah. bathroom it looks like you know it's a little red thing that disposable thing you put in there and you have to take it off to a site you know to to, to dispose of and all this stuff uh but the methotrexate is uh i started taking um unfortunately after about eight months of the Hemera, it's effectiveness went uh, away uh, wasn't being effective yeah. I, I became too custom it was very quick the doctor said it, it you know sometimes lasts longer but everyone's different so in order to boost the effectiveness of the Hemera, they started me on methotrexate and that is a um, very powerful drug it is a it is a chemo it is chemo pills basically uh, now mm. I, I say that not you know not lightly but it's not the same strength as if someone has cancer but it is it is a it is the chemo pill at a in a smaller dose yeah i've always heard it's like low dose chemo yeah that, that's the a, that's that, a, that is the to. yeah that is the, the term yeah. low dose chemo and let me tell you i have to take it on sundays and uh the first few times it was really awful and <laughs> i have a newfound respect for cancer patients that take chemo pills because it is not fun. Now, fortunately mm-hmm. over the year, you know, that I've been, it's not been quite a year, but um, I've done better, but talk about the fatigue we we're talking about. Four o'clock yeah. on Sunday, I'm like, <laughs> that's what the methotrexate does to me now. It's just fatigue. But before it was, I got ill and uh headache. I mean, it was really bad the first month or so, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it helps. It stinks that I have to take it, but you know, thank goodness there's stuff out there. At least there didn't used to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, years you know, ago. With, with the, yeah. Yeah. With the amount of time that you've been living with this, I mean, the, the landscape has shifted in, in many ways, I'm sure. Um, what, what would you, what would you say, John is the biggest thing that, um, 
Ankylosing spondylitis has taken away from you? You know, it's, uh, there's an, it's not just one thing, you know, I think it's been very difficult to make a living, you know, uh, because uh, especially because this is what, what I do for a living is, is very hard for me to do now. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I, like I said, I'm shifting, you know, more, you know, with the consulting, you know, I'm, I still do the training, you know, clients and stuff, but um, I'm, you know, doing more consulting and writing the book and do more motivational speaking and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's hard because, you know, I'm going along and then, then I hit a, a flare up and then I'm fatigued and it's, and I there's just like ba- do the very basics, you know? So it's been very difficult um, to, to live, you know, to, to make a living to um, with the ups and downs of the, of the thing. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, relationship, you know, um, I'm single, you know, and uh, my last girlfriend, she, you know, she didn't quite understand the severity of what I had and, and, and it, and, and it's, I, I'm not saying it's the reason I'm single, but I think it plays into that a little bit because, you know, her understand she didn't understand it. It was nine o'clock at night. I'm like, I, I'm so, and I was in a really bad flare up and she got mad because I was going to bed at night. I was like, and that's unusual for me, but I was just, I'm like, I'm exhausted. She said, oh, you don't fight that hard enough. You know, we're all offhand comment like that. And I was like, you said what now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, you know, I've been fighting this my entire life and you come along and you think I don't fight this hard. So finding someone that can understand uh, the condition mm. to the point where, you know, just a little bit of empathy, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm a very self-sufficient person. I don't need to be, you know, a care. I don't need a caretaker, but someone that has just a little bit of empathy. And and I think it's, it's tough. It's because, you know, it is a uh, it's tough when, you know, I'm sure, you know, you realize, you know, when you tell people you have something and that's another thing for them to have to go, oh, well, that's uh, mm. on top of, you know, everything else. But uh, so mm. I, it's not just one thing, um, but it's kind of a kind of encompassing everything that t- it takes away from you. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? <clears throat> It's it's given me a, a a platform to to help other people because um, I can understand. I think that's where, as a personal trainer, I differ from most trainers is that I have firsthand experience of what a lot of people go through, and I I've used my have having this condition and knowing per, you know personal experience that when I go work with this person, they may not have AS, but they have you know a chronic condition. They like the fact that I know exactly it, it, to a degree what they're going through. You know, I've worked with people that have MS or, and I've worked with people with AF, other, <laughs> other chronic illnesses. And they like the fact that this guy kind of understands where we're coming from. So I, that yeah. has been a real gift that I've been able to help people um, that a lot of trainers would not have helped uh, because a lot of trainers, you know, just work out the healthy people and, <laughs> and the ones that, that I focus on. Um, I've been able to really make an impact. So that's been the positive that's come out of it. Mm. I, I, I mean, firstly, I, I want to say thanks for, for dedicating some time to come on here and, and speak to us about, you know, what it is that you've been going through for, um, for almost three decades. Um, and I, I know that you you had mentioned a number of times um, your book, which is available now. It's called "Through the Pain: The Silent Suffering and Triumph of, of a Personal Trainer." Um, it was just released, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just, just, uh, just, just published. It's on Amazon. Uh, you can get the if you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free, and it's uh, nine ninety nine on Kindle and fourteen ninety nine on paperback at, on Amazon. So, yeah, um, they, if anyone's interested, you know, and I talk about you know my story, but, but I talk about, you know, you know, exercise, diet, meditation. I talk about all the things that can help people through other, you know, conditions as well as mine. Mm. I would, I would love to, um, so again, folks go check it out. It's on Amazon through the pain. Um, yes, now you're um, before, today. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Right there. 
Uh, but before before we do wrap up, I do have one question, uh, and I'm I'm just I'm just dying to know um, what 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 is it like to uh, it, you you know your your personal trainer in L.A. You've had some fun celebrity clients. Dying to know what's it like to train Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're all big Steven Seagal fans here. Uh, you guys, are, you, oh, you're you're all Steven Seagal fans for like. Well, I mean, well, I I mean, well, the the fandom has shifted over the years. We're fans of of seeing anything that he does for sure. Yeah, we're just yeah. I, I think it's more of a fascination I'm, of of Steven Seagal fasc- in general. He is a, he's a fascinating he's, man. He's a fascinating well, that, man. I also true. fucking loved his movies as kids that, that as a kid. You know, I. I, uh, I treated him like any other client. You know, I sat down, uh, I got the call from a producer and went to his house of Brentwood, sat down and just said, what, what, you know, what do you want to accomplish? What are your goals? What, you know, what are your injuries? What do we need to do? And uh, he told me and I said, okay, well, I can help you with that. <laughs> you know, I, I treated him like anyone else. And um, I started the next day and here in Brentwood, he was getting ready for a film. As, as you know, he's, he's gained weight over the years and, um, and uh they wanted him to lose some weight and uh so started training him here in la in brentwood at his house and then um i got the call to um to fly over to his place in um so tennessee is it memphis yeah he has a place uh, he has a place in memphis tennessee so they i I, they they i got the uh, the g5 i got on the g5 and uh plane and they flew me to tennessee (laughs) Uh, is he as much of an enigma as he seems? Yes. Yeah. Um, we. <laughs> this is being recorded. So uh, um, when you turn the, I mean, you, you can say what you want on the mic, and then we can turn um, off. No, but, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, be careful because uh, he's friends with Putin. So like, he, like, don't fuck this up. You can be, you be assassinated by the time uh, by the time this episode comes out. But I haven't said anything. Um, so, so then we go to we, then we go to Romania. We go to Bucharest for a couple months to uh, train him for. And I spar with. I told him. I said, "What is your activity? What do you want to do to get in shape?" You know. And uh, he said, "You know, I wanted to spar." Okay, so I, we had gloves and we sparred. And uh, he, he's 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 legit. I mean, there's no question. Um, he's legit martial artist. Now, I mean, I, I held my own, but I mean, he's his hands are very fast and. Um, and uh, he just didn't like working out and he didn't like eating healthy uh, either. But I got him to lose about 30, 40 pounds, I think, uh, to the point where the, mo- the, 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 the guy, uh, the director of the movie, I was on set one day in Romania and, and he goes, what, what the heck you been doing? I was like, oh, just trying to you know work him out. I would take stuff off his plate. You know, I mean, I had a good relationship. <laughs> because, uh, well, That's a good well, that was, that, that was all agreed upon. So we had the, the only... He, he was around a lot of people, but our sessions were one-on-one. It was no one around. It was just me and him. And I'm, I got him to agree to certain things. So the next day I said, Stephen, if there's something on your plate that I see that I don't want you to have, then I'm going to take it off. And he said, okay, he agreed to it. So I come in, there's all, you know, the bodyguards and the producers and everyone's around the table and I come in, he's got a muffin. And I said, I come in, I, I go, uh, uh-huh. And I take that and I take this and he, he looks up and he goes, I go what, and then nothing, and everybody, <laughs> and like, and like a producer's like, <gasps> and his assistant almost passed out. I mean, it was, if if I ever did something, I'm sorry, this uh, cuckoo clock's going off. It must be time's up. You're gonna hear this for a minute. Um, I'll try to talk over the cuckoo. No, I can't. This thing. Is- I should have thrown it in the other room. That's, we, can't, we can't even hear it. That's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great out. Just like pressing the cuckoo clock oh, button you, on your phone whenever someone brings oh, up Stephen Seagal. You can't hear that. Oh, yeah. No, we no, can't. Yeah, no, went away. No, anyway, no. so so long story short, I mean, they were like, I would have been fired if I did that, and I'm like, well, I'm different. But agree me. Yeah. And so uh, so I had a different relationship with him than than a lot of people, and he, he respected me. You know, he would bow. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. to me and stuff like that so we, we we got along and uh i trained him just for that period of time and uh i had to get back to la so i left and i found out that i was the only trainer that he never fired so i thought that was a good thing yeah, 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 yeah. now if that i mean if you got a business card 
That's what it should That's be fucking says. saying. I'm right the only on trainer it. never to be fired by D- Steven. Didn't Seagal. get fired by Steven Seagal. Well, that, was, that was the producer um, that told me that. I go, really? Because I, I left. The phone. I said <laughs> I had to be back in LA September one, which was true. Yeah. And but uh, so anyway, uh, when you were hired, they figured they they figured they he would have rolled through six by the time by the time <laughs> the show they, right. by the time they started shooting. I, I well, know how folks, to work with difficult people, so I, I can do that. <laughs> If you uh, if you're listening to this right now and you are a difficult person and you're looking for someone to train you, uh, uh, FraserFitness.net is your website. But how else can people stay in touch or stay up to date with the work that you're doing, John? Um, well, buy the book on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> go to the website and you can always reach out to me from uh, from there. Uh, you cool, know, I, cool. it, you know, my emails. You know, FraserFit at SBCGlobal.net. So. You can well, always email well, me that way. Well, thanks, uh, thanks again, dude. This has been a real treat to sit down and uh, pick yeah, up man. Up. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, well, we can do it again another time. I can talk about something else. <laughs> totally, <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, John. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.